This is the Courier Talking Football. I'm Eric Nicholson and with me this week are Jim Spence and Ian Roach. Well gentlemen, there's no no lack of talking points this week and it feels it feels a wee bit criminal to to stick Dundee towards the back end of this podcast after they, they nearly had the most embarrassing cup result in their club's history. But anyway, that's what we'll do because we'll, we'll start we'll start at the end if you if, if you like. And it was Dundee United St Johnson and a game in itself that had no lack of talking points. So we'll we'll pick through them and I, and both of you were at the game, so you can be my my eyes and ears on this one. Ian, we'll start with you. At least we got goals this time. Two two. I know there's been a lot of, a lot of draws between the two teams, but this was a this was cut from a, a different piece of cloth than the uh, the first three, really, wasn't it? No, it was actually quite a it was quite an open game. Um, I think uh, one or two people at the end said, uh, "Oh, it wasn't such a, a good match." I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was I thought it was fine because it was a six thirty kickoff, Ian. That's why you like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> home it was a lot of incident. As I say, it was very open, uh, and and nothing was as open as Saints' goal as Warren Shanklin's shot flew over Xander Clark and, and, and nestled in. It might get net. a mention. It might um, get a mention. It might get a mention. It was uh, it was fabulous. So but the other goals were very good as well, uh as as Jim will attest. Now it it was a it was a it was a really, really good match. I think it stood out for me compared to the other ones this season. So another draw, but hey, listen, the two teams are quite close together. I I know United are ahead in points. But there's not much between the, the sides. I think the two of them will end up in a roughly similar... Did you think a draw was fair, Ian? Or do you think I thought it was, yeah. Have... I mean, oh. I thought it was. Yeah. Uh, I think... <laughs> I suppose it would be a shame for Shanklin to finish on a losing side, having done that. But Saints did have a, a wonderful chance through Tanzer yeah. towards the end, which, yeah, yeah. I mean, I thought that was it. I thought that was the winner. But uh, uh, United's defending was ropeier than, than usual. Um... But hey, great! As I say, good goals. A first goal for uh, St Johnston for Guy Melamed, uh, Melamed. Yeah, we'll Guy Melamed, well. yeah, and also a first Premiership goal for Louis Perry. All completely overshadowed by uh, Mister Shankland. Exactly. Well, before we get into those, Ian's summed up the, the sort of we the wee talking points or big talking points that we'll, we'll get through, Jim. But first of all, the actual broad brush of the game itself were you like Ian did you well, think it, a draw was a fair result yes I think I mean I think Ian's pretty much nailed everything I, I, I would say on it I mean I, I've been at uh, thank at you the, and goodbye yes. I, I, I was at the McDermott uh, Park uh, League game uh, I was at that one last night and, and that, that was the better of the two by a long chalk I, I agree with you I mean look there's a lot of things a lot of United supporters were saying oh you know we've lost our passing ability and all the rest and, look, neither of these two clubs are Barcelona I thought it was a really competitive game I, I, I have to say I mean it's, it's always fascinating when you are um, you know when you're at these games minus fans I mean there was some some very choice language some kind of hardy old stuff going on I mean at one, one stage later on in the game I'm sure Ian would have seen it as well there was a real interesting exchange between I think it was Liam Craig and Mickey Mellon you know where uh, there was some yeah. choice language going on and, that, and that, that's you know that all adds to the kind of both passionate gentlemen yes oh it was very very passionate but no I mean I, I thought they were all good goals um, Saints to you know, two good goals, although United defence could have done a lot better in picking up and marking and all the rest that, you know, from, from set pieces. Shanklin's goal was just out of this world. I mean, you know, he, he takes he, he takes a ball on his stride, looks up, hits it. Will, will Xander feel aggrieved? 
yes, um, you know, would he, would he or most keepers have expected a shot from 52.9 yards, um, you know, with the rapidity and the acuity with which Shanklin struck it? I, I think not. So I thought it was a really competitive oh, it's harsh, game. It's harsh, blaming, it's harsh blaming a keeper for that. Yeah, I mean, it was just, I mean, I mean, it was magnificently If you look at his starting point, you don't want him closer to the line, do you? Because he's he's has to be ready for a potential ball that, you know, that sort of comes comes over the top and he's got to come out for, I mean, I thought, Ian, positioning-wise, Sander, I thought it was per, it was absolutely fine. What about you? Well, um, I spoke to uh, Lauren Shankland after the game um, and he he did say that he, he, he'd caught, he'd been he'd been looking at, at, at Zander's positioning. All right. Mm-hmm. But then he added, then he added that every keeper does the same thing. So that when they're up, but it's something that what he, the point he was making was it's something that he keeps in his, in his mind, mind all the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. But but he he, he 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 was quite clear that he'd seen him, he'd seen where he was standing earlier on yeah, in the yeah. game. Now I got a, a brilliant view of the the, the incident as Jim would have because we were we were sitting just right up, up mm-hmm. from it. He was down for anyone who, who who hasn't seen it. I mean, he was down close to the United Technical area. And I think he, he he looked up. I think you see on the on the footage he does look up. Mickey Mellon said he, he thought he didn't look up, but I thought he did. Just checked it and then hit it first time. Uh, and the manager described it as a as a golf shot. I mean, I don't know what, what it would be. I mean, Eric, you're the expert there. Seven iron, I would say probably. Sandy Lyle at the Masters, nineteen eighty eight, out of the bunker. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I hear you. But it was a, to me. To me, what it did was remind you that. Shanklin's just that wee bit extra. He's just got that wee bit extra compared to other players. He can he can come up with something like that in a game. It doesn't happen all the time, but he's he's done two. He's he's only scored four goals this season. But to me, two of them are, are two of the best I've seen. Yeah. which was what the St. Martin one um, uh, earlier in the season, and that one. That, they're 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 two of the, the the best I've seen this season from anyone. And uh, absolutely fantastic. I think I think you I think you can't blame the goalkeeper. He's not expecting it, is he? I don't think anybody expected mm. it, including yeah. the United coaches who were as stunned as anybody, and yeah, they just jumped yeah, yeah. on 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 the player when he scored. Wait, but Jim, Jim, there's a few. I mean, there's a few strands to the Lauren Shank. We'll come onto the timing of it and what it'll do for his profile and the potential, you know, the potential of a move and all the rest of it, or and the the potential of him kicking on at, at Tannadice, but. Craig Levine and James McFadden were, you know, they were starting to speak about things that you'd spoken about mm-hmm. in the past on the podcast about Shanklin's body language and just generally not being able to get him in the game, all that sort of stuff. Do you think? Do you think there was even a bit of frustration in that shot as well? You know, just basically, I'm having a go here because I'm I'm not getting precious few other chances to have a go. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, it dispenses with the notion that he's a penalty box striker, doesn't it? A predator oh, yeah. from 52.9 yards you know, yeah. as he did. I mean, no, I mean, look, I think there's a combination of things. I mean, I saw some, I saw one or two folk on social media taking um, Levine and, and, and McFadden to task, you know, for suggesting that, that uh, Shanklin's body language and all the rest indicated, um, <clears throat> you know, that, that he was a player struggling with confidence. Um, I, I think the truth lies somewhere in between. His body language has. Um, looked kind of, you know, telling, I think, in recent times. And that's because he's a man looking to find his form again. You know what I mean? And and it's you would expect a, a player of his calibre to be 
upset, annoyed, peeved. You know. Yeah, he's not a poker player, is he, Jim? You can you can read him easier than some some that's strikers right. over the years. That's for that, sure. That, that's right. I mean, he you know he, he kind of wears he wears his heart in the sleeve, and when the head goes down, I mean, there's not nothing wrong with the head going down. I mean, I think people expect people to be psychological giants. You know, if you're if you're a striker and you thrive on goals mainly, which is his game, um, if your head goes down when you're not getting the service or you you know you're getting a half chance and you're knocking it by the post, I'm thinking of one in particular against Rangers, and he kind of he sloped off that day. It's a man not in the depths of despair. It's a man looking for his form, looking to find his form. And and that, I mean, actually, you know, if you think his body language, it's, his celebrations weren't overly um, telling last night. I mean, he, he didn't run away like a, you know, a, a, a windmill waving yeah. of the arm or anything like that. In fact, he, he almost seems surprised himself. He obviously shouldn't be because he has it quite clearly in his locker. You saw from the reaction. I mean, it was almost a pitch invasion by United coaching staff as they all rushed to congratulate him. It was a, it was a truly magnificent goal. And there might have been a bit of frustration, but you need, you need magnificent technique and self-confidence, Eric, I think, to hit that. I mean, you know, I know players that could hit that shot a hundred times and some wouldn't hit the goal, some would send it wide, some would send it over the bar. I mean, it beats, I wasn't criticising Xander. What I'm saying is Xander will wonder, but in the modern game, particularly with St. Johnson pushing up, you know, um, the modern the modern game, the modern keepers expected almost to be a sweeper. So he's got to be a distance off his line in case there's a break. He couldn't have expected that, you know. Um, so, you know, it, it, I'm, he's blameless. I mean, could his positioning be better with hindsight? Yes, but it was a terrifically struck shot and it would have fooled, I think, probably the vast bulk uh, of goalkeepers on, on the particular night. But Shanklin's a man, I think, who's been frustrated because he's been looking for his form to return. And there were definite signs last night. I thought he looked sharp, generally in, in the game last night and, and it was a magnificent goal which will boost his confidence and United's confidence. I guess, right, before, before we wrap up on the, the Shanklin part of the, the podcast, it feels like a wee while since we've done one of these. We had a, bit, a run of about two months worth of them. But anyway, uh, Ian, where does, I mean, timing-wise, it's perfect for him, isn't it? And it's potentially perfect if yeah. United need to get money in for him. It, it elevates him, doesn't it, above other, other strikers almost because of because of the, exactly the reasons Jim's talking about, the purity of the strike, the fact that a lot of strikers couldn't do that. Yeah. You know, you couldn't you couldn't buy publicity like that in the middle of a transfer window, could you? No, I mean, as I say, we were in a fortunate position. I, I had a chat with uh, Lawrence after the match and uh, he was he was getting asked uh, stuff about Kemar Roof's goal and how, how's your social media been? Because that exploded, and it pushes you. It, it pushes you into the spotlight. You're on. You're on all the, the the TV channels. You know the goals getting played and replayed, and uh, folk are interested in it from out with Scotland. And uh, I think I think to counter a wee bit, what uh, it's not to counter it, but I think to give Shanklin's view on his body language and that. He actually thinks he's been playing okay. I, I, I think as well that he did well in the last game against Aberdeen. And you'll remember he cracked the bar with a shot. Mm-hmm. I thought he played really well there and was very unlucky. He made the point that he, his frustration, he, he did agree that he was frustrated, but that was because he missed any, a chance earlier. And he thought, no, I'm, I'm just going to have a go. So there was, you're right to say that he was getting fed up, but I think his, how he worded it was that he was getting, you know, he's kind of annoyed with himself more than anything else. But this does, and, and, and of course, we're in the middle of a transfer window. So this does push his profile up. Uh, oh, he's, only got, he's only got four goals a season, but he's been injured a bit. And this yeah. was a perfect reminder to everybody um, who he is, 
what he can do. And and as I say, I think I think it was a a, just just reminded you that he's he can be a wee bit different. He can do something that's just a wee bit different than than the ordinary teammates. Really, I guess, Jim. You know, does this make make it more likely that he leaves this this month? Um, I, I, I'm does not it, does sure. It, does, it, does it more likely that United will get the the money they want for him? Or? Well, th- that's what I'm not sure of, Eric. I'm not. I'm not sure as, as you know as as the COVID situation wears on, and we've been kind of. This is where I've got sympathy for some politicians in this who have been trying to manage a situation which has been fluent and fluid and moving on by the day. And football's been the same, you know. I mean, sometimes. We thought there'd be a complete shutdown. Here's a partial shutdown that we've got with the lower leagues and all the rest of it. So we, we don't know is the answer. I mean, I, I would have expected if a bid had come in for Lauren Shankland or a risk had come in from Lauren Shankland, the most likely um, avenue will be that it will come from um, a, a championship club in England, maybe even League One, because there are clubs down there traditionally, yeah, big clubs who, have, like, got, who, yeah. who have or had money to spend. The, the situation, you know, you see Arsenal the other day having to go to the bank and and, and borrow £120 million. You know that the English game is also having it, it, its problems. So once you start to dip down the levels, I'm not sure that the kind of money that would, um, you know, encourage United to sell might be available. That said, they will have a look at his contract. How long have they got him on? What kind of money have they got on, given their own current financial situation? So this, you know, so the, the bid situation today um, could be radically different from what it was, you know, three, four, five, six months ago. So I, th- I think this is a wait and see. Did you think do, you don't think you don't think this goal really has changed the move the goalposts or changed things? I, I, no, I significantly I think, as far as the Shankland story in the bigger picture. Is I concerned. don't think so. I think anyone that was, you know, I mean, nowadays, you know, um, uh, but. You know, there are scouts of the game, or there, are, there are various uh, um, analytical tools and all the rest of it that clubs use to um, to assess the progress of people, targets that they, they they might be interested in. At any given time, you know, a club will have its its eye on three, four, five different maybe strikers or, or whatever. So undoubtedly, there, there there'll be awareness of, of Shankland um, south of the border. There'll be awareness also. Um, of you know that his, his his form has dipped, his goals have dipped, his injury situation, all the rest of it. But there's also awareness that he's a Scotland player now, has been called into the squad. Um, there will be awareness with social media of that stunning goal last night. I mean, this is this is a different generation now who very often simply want you know a YouTube clip or or, or or a very brief social media clip. And last night, I mean, that's a stunning goal at any level of football. I mean, had that been scored in uh, in La Liga or, or the Premiership, you know, people well, people are raving about it anyhow. You know, we should go down that road people are raving about it and it was a magnificent goal so that once that that will again have maybe just um you know brought them back to the attention of those who might have been interested in the first place or, or some who might not have been um too aware or overly convinced but i think it's it's a movable feast this one it's a wait and see i mean i think most people now know in the game what lauren shankland is capable of and if he if, if he was going to be on the radar he will be on the radar of of interested clubs last night <coughs> excuse me Last night's stunning goal won't have done his cause any harm. Yeah, yeah. Well, somebody else and 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 any other game, you know, Louis Aperi scoring Ian would be would be big news United wise, and I guess maybe maybe it's, maybe it still is. You know, he's he's one that's we were beginning to to write write off, not because we don't like the player on the podcast, but just because of you know Mickey Mellon's reluctance to use him. 
How did how did he get on? He played very well, and uh, I would recommend to any United fan who hasn't who hasn't seen it to go back and also watch the the, the first goal that yeah. he scored because <laughs> that's, that's a great move. You know, don't just don't just focus on on Shanklin's strike because it was a, it was a, it was a really good move involving Nicky Clark, involving Shanklin earlier on. And uh, finished off by uh, by Young Louis, or not so Young Louis now, I suppose he's getting on. Um, and, and it was overshadowed, of course, by by that. But it was his first goal in the Premiership for United, yeah. you know. And 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 if you if you if you spend any time with Mickey Mellon, he, he, it's not long before he reminds you about players who are in, are, are experiencing this for the first time in their careers. And of course, he's he's one of them. Uh, going up to the top flight, maybe struggled more than more than some to to get game time anyway. But well done to him because any time any time players come in and, and he's done this the same he's done this himself. They come in and, and maybe don't take their chance. But he did what he did uh, against St Johnson. He, he had a really good game. Of course, laid on the uh, give. Give give the ball to Shanklin for for the wonder strike. He'll have a cheek claim and an assist for that one. But <laughs> yeah, no. he'll go on the record. <laughs> I think he will. I think I think it will go down it works now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. But no, listen, a good a good game from him, and uh, yet again a reminder that United have got a young talented player who 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 can who can I think I think he, he can he is maybe he needs to convince himself, but he's he he can he can play at top flight level. Good, uh, good time in gym because obviously the the Paul McMullen situation has played out and Ian's piece before the game saying from with Mickey Mellon saying no he's not going to be he's dropping out of my mm-hmm. my first team squad basically you know but presumably training training with the kids I think we're probably both sorry all three of us expect him to end up at at Dens before the window's shut you know it'd be the common sense one but you've got you've got him who's drifted yeah. out the picture. Obviously, Chalmers is working his way mm-hmm. back in, who'll be an important player for them. And now, and McNulty, you know, hope, hopefully he'll be back and it's not going to become an, an in-out injury story for him. We'll have the, we'll have the Shankland, you know, mm-hmm. what-ifs, you know, until this window shuts. And another one now, Nicky Clark getting linked with uh, with Dundee, Dundee interest as well. I mean, I must admit, that one has... Uh, that one has shocked me, just purely because, I don't, yeah, I mean, it has because you you think Nicky Clark, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, he's still Dundee, Dundee United's top mm-hmm. scorer, mm-hmm. Yeah, he he's is, a yeah. regular, and, you know, I think we all kind of thought this was going to be a formality that he would, he would sign a new, he would sign a new deal, because it was reported a good few weeks ago that, that there was talks, wasn't there, Ian? So, you know, that, that suggests, A, that, Dundee have got a bit of money to to potentially outbid United on wages, and B that this is an important player for United that is you know you know swithering whether to stay. Yeah, yeah. The the, the thing with football is uh, like you you never know the the entire kind of backstory uh, to it. I mean, you know, it, it may well be that Dundee are um, offering more than United in terms of basic and bonuses or whatever. It may well be that for a longer deal. Yeah, a longer deal. It may well be that Nicky has looked and thought, where am I in the pecking order? You know, I mean, it's no guarantee that Shankler's going to go. There's no guarantee that McNulty might you know, not end up staying. And I know it's a loan deal at the moment. Um, no guarantee that he will continue to um, 
you know, to, to be the fancied uh, uh, part of the lineup. Although I see it's a different story to McMullen, though, isn't it, Jim? I mean, he's a first well, team regular. I mean, I, McMullen, I, I, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, I, I wrote, I wrote him a comment on Saturday, and I don't claim any great prescience in this, Ian, that it, uh, Eric, that it would be as well if the deal was done quickly. Because, you know, and I used, I used the example of, of uh, was it Brophy done at Kilmarnock, where mm-hmm. Alex Dyer has said, he, he's not my plans, he's, you know, he'd be as well away now. And I think that's always the situation. I'm not keen on the pre-contract um I actually hate calling it pre-contract as a former law lecturer. I just call it a contract, you know. Um, you know, I'm not keen in this situation where players sign in January, you know, when they've got about another four or five months to go at their club. It obviously robs them of some of their attention span and all the rest of it. Plus, of course, McMullen's been out of the picture and uh, isn't in fancy. From Dundee's perspective, I have to say, <clears throat> there would be two excellent signings. The thing that Dundee have started to pick up on recent weeks, but something they've lacked going into this campaign was pace. Now, both of these players have pace. I mean, if the Clark one comes off, he's a pacey player and he's a goal scorer and he can assist. McMullen, if, if he can find the, the final assist and the occasional goal, is, is a terrific talent when he's playing as well. He can go by men as though they don't exist. So can absolutely understand why Dundee would be going for him. And, and, and I think what's happened is I think James McPake suddenly sees this squad really coming together, particularly with Charlie Adam. I mean, I don't think you discount the, the huge effect that, that Charlie has, has, you know, has had at Dens. And all of a sudden... Dundee might just be thinking, you know what, we've gone from looking for a playoff place here against big spending hearts to think we might, we could win this. We could win this title. So the, so the ambition, I think, has been heightened. I think it's crucial that Dundee get back up this season anyway. But from a United perspective, um, <clears throat> to lose Clark, who, as you say, is their top scorer, <clears throat> excuse me, to, to, you know, their big rivals, across, not the rivals this season, but, you know, to, to their yeah. city rivals, you know, would, would be a bit of a slap in the face, uh, you'd have to think. I don't think many people would worry about McMullen going. He, he's obviously well at the picture and has been for some time. Clark might be a different kettle of fish, you know. Um, so maybe a wee bit of gamesmanship going on as well, but if, if James McPake can pull it off, it, it signifies that Tim Keyes has certainly continued to back the Dundee project um, and that there's, uh, you know, that Dundee has shown real ambition. What's your reading of it from a, purely from a United point of view, Ian? Well, I think, I think the onus is now on United to uh, piece together a deal for, for, uh, for Nicky Clark, which won't be easy having just come to... The end yeah, of yeah. successful end, it has to be said, of the the wage negotiations and the pay cuts. So money's tight at Tannadice. Uh, that's no uh, revelation fake news, yeah. is it? I mean, that's we all know that. Um, there's maybe been a decision to park these these kind of things, these talks for these players. I think reading between the lines, that is what's happened. So there's there'll be no movement there, and Dundee Dundee are, are, are maybe sensing an opportunity there. Um, it would surprise me more than Paul McMullen, uh, considerably more, I would say, because I did. Uh, McMullen was humping and hawing over a, a move to Ross County. I think it was a desire to stay in the area that that that, that made him uh, decline that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also thought he might get more game game time at United, which didn't happen. So uh, a move to Dundee suits him and his his family situation. Uh, Nicky Clark is also based here. And his uh, partner works in the in the NHS in the area as well. So um, he's been quite public about that. So the the desire, I think, from Clark, you can see the attraction of of moving to, you know, staying in the area, getting a move, but but not having to to to, to uproot everything. So that's an attraction, I think. But I think if United can come up with a deal, 
and it matches Dundee's or better's it a bit, then uh, you'll you'll stay at Tannadice. And having spoken to him before, admittedly long before now, um, I, I, I do think he, I do think he would be open to to re-signing for United. But hey. I mean, you know, the story is, I believe the, the story is a good story, uh, broken by uh, George Cran, and it's there's, 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 there will be truth behind it, absolutely. So we'll have to wait and see how this pans out. Well, it's an intriguing one, isn't it? It's an intriguing one, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's absolutely intriguing. It is intriguing, and it's headline-grabbing, really, to be honest, because he's, he's United's best player. And, and this season, how he has performed this season, Really, he's earned Nicky Clark a yeah. deal at United, hasn't yeah, it? I mean, come on, anyway. they've yeah. got to get their act together and come up with a well, come up with it, one. It's I an interesting suggest. one, though, Ian, as you say. I mean, I know that you know there, there were wage cuts at the Ferrell's call what they were at Dens as well. I mean, they we're having the same thing at Tannadice. And neither the two city clubs are unusual. Others have had to go down this road, the Dons as well. You know, um, so that, that that's not unusual. It's, it's unwelcome, but it, it, it's not unusual given the current crisis. But you know, with only six months left on his on his. Um, uh, contract. You could understand why Nicky would be thinking, you know, if it can get a deal that matches or betters, um, and if it's a long, a longer deal than I might be being offered at Tannadice, who knows? There may have, there may even be a signing on fee uh, involved because you know football players have got mortgages and outgoings just like the rest of us. I mean, he scored. What has he scored? Eight in the Premiership and a couple elsewhere, ten or something this season in total. I mean, he's a decent, you know, that, that's a premiership level. Decent stri- a decent uh, striker takes him from the spot, you know, a good bit of pace, takes a goal, uh, assists. Um, I think it would be a very good bit of work. I mean, put it this way, th- th- it puts the player in a very strong position. Yeah, yeah it does. Yeah. And, and listen, let's face it, players and their agents aren't, uh, they're not daft. They know they, you know, it's one of the few tools they have is to play clubs off against each other. And I'm, I guess the potential... Of going, you know, moving to your, as you say, Jim, your your big city rivals mm-hmm. when you when you're an asset in the, the in the United first team. That's you know he's he's holding a few cards there, isn't he? I, I think so, uh, Eric. I mean, in, in fact, he's, he's probably holding several cards. He's got a stronger you know? hand than Paul McMullen, put it that way. Oh, yeah, yes, well, uh, absolutely. Um, a, a very strong one. And, and you, you also never know, it may alert other clubs, you know, it mm-hmm. may just kind of signal other clubs here. Uh, we'd forgotten Nicky Clark only has six months left in this contract because that's how the games play. You know, I mean, agents are, I hesitate to use the word cute. There are some dodgy agents, there's some very good ones. I would always, you know, I'd be blunt, I would always, um, <clears throat> unless your old man's a lawyer or something like that, I would always recommend that a player has an agent. I mean, you know, you're a young man, you might even be a, a very intelligent young man, but <clears throat> you're usually going in to sit down with, you know, a director or a chairman or a CEO that, um, you know, is dealing with business every day of the week. And there are certain questions and, and aspects to the contract that, you know, that you might not be keen to ask or understand that you want to ask, but mainly it's a situation that you're better not being involved in personally, leaving it to a third party, an interlocutor, um, like an agent. But I mean, I think at the moment, um, the whip hand is with Clark. I mean, we'll find out very shortly whether United want to keep him or not if they enter into uh, negotiations for that new contract. You never know. It might have been ongoing at the moment, but it may well be that United are really feeling the pinch here. I mean, Mark Ogren, you know, Mark Ogren must now be wondering just exactly what he's got himself into because it's, you know, he's, he's having to put a lot of money into Tannadice, obviously. I mean, Tim Key's slightly different kettle of fish. Tim's been about for a lot longer now in Scottish football at Dens uh, than... Um, 
than than Mark Ogren has. He's only in his, 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 well, a couple of years now. Um, and it may well be that he's looking and thinking, we need to get costs down. And and if they need to get costs down, then there's a fine balance between the fine start they've made the season, whether they can continue that or, or at least hold it steady, but at the same time incur the big wages that they're incurring because the wage bill at Tannadice will be substantial. They're a, don't you know, they're a good paying club. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's so many so many intriguing strands to this transfer window, both for Dundee and United. Well, going back to back to the game, Ian, and from we'll, we'll go at, go at it from a Saints perspective now. I mean, we've you know I I saw the the one and only league start by by Guy Melamed. It seems a long time ago now at uh, Easter Road, and he was ab- he was he was absolutely fine. He kind of his influence sort of you know wasn't the type of game. I think he got one maybe sort of snapshot on the turn in the penalty box, but it didn't turn into the sort of game where you would expect to see him get any more than that. Then he spent an extended period warming the bench, you know, with two or three minutes here or there, sometimes not at all. He gets his start at Tanner Ice, and by the sounds of it, he took it. Yeah, I must say, uh, as someone, you, 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 you obviously deal with St. Johnson more than me, but uh, as somebody who hadn't, hadn't seen a lot of him, uh, I, was sitting, I was sitting there watching him and going, how come he's not? How how has he not been mm-hmm. involved more than than he has been? Now there's could be loads of reasons for that, and I think there are um, fitness etc. Getting used to the Scottish game, um, Saints having other options yeah. that were working fine until you know until so, relatively recently. He, yeah, he, 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 yeah, until relatively recently, but he, 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 he kind of stood out. I thought I thought last night. I thought he had a really Good. fine match. Um, Lively, sort busy. of on the move. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was really busy, bustly. And uh, troubles United. I mean, as I said, mentioned earlier on, United's defending was poor, but that that's that's maybe because he was he was uh, causing them problems along with the rest of the, the St. Johnson players at times. They were cutting them open, at, um, and then the cross balls and his goal was 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 well taken. It was a lovely goal, like all the goals were um, uh, in the game. So I, I think he had a he had a cracking match, and. I think he's now looking to kick on. Um, he, he was again had a chat with with him uh, after the match, and uh, he's 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 really he's had a hard time with almost with the the whole coronavirus thing. Yeah, and being, I, mean, I being felt, here I on felt for him on a human. As, I felt yeah, for him on a human level. I mean, apart from you know, else, you know. <laughs> sometimes sometimes you can f- forget that these 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 young talented men are, are are human beings, you know, and they're so far from home. They're missing their partners, their girlfriends, whatever. And uh, you know, trying to trying to make a a new career and a new land. So he's had to adjust to the game. He's had to adjust to the the country. On top of that, you've had the coronavirus and all that the the uncertainty that's causing for everybody, but also players, football players. So it's been tough for him. It really has been tough for him. But hopefully, and I I think I, after watching him, I can see no reason why not. He he really will uh, kick on now, and I think he could be a good good. Good uh, key player for for St. Johnson. Did he sound quite? How does how would you describe his sort of his his manner in, in your chat? I mean, obviously he'd be delighted to have got the the goal. He'll, he'll know that was potentially, you know, his. You know, if he if he blew that chance, he might not have got back in the team. Let's not kid ourselves. And he he, he could have been away. He's taken it. Did he did he mm-hmm. sound like a, a man that's yeah, really he was focused upbeat. and determined? Yeah, he was upbeat. Yeah, he was he was even even kind of he did, he did get asked questions about it right enough, and he would just give us answers, but. He was talking about even the possibility of moving at some later stage into the international scene. So this is a guy who thinks he can now make a, a an impact in Scotland and and then really really um, 
make this work for him. And good luck to him because he, he most players are are nice lads, but he certainly is. And uh, you just you just wish for the best uh, for him. It would, Jim. It'd be a real feel good story. This, and it could come right at the right time for for Saints if Guy Melamed all of a sudden proves to be the spark that's gonna. And I have to say. In partnership with Chris Kane, you know that that could be the way forward. You know the the two of them up there. So it's a this has got season changing potential for St Johnson, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean it, it was you know well both on the score sheet and and, and him kind of you know well pretty early on after a Perry scored in nine minutes. So the United Saints were pretty smart replying under Melamed. I, I I agree with Ian. I thought it was a pretty accomplished performance last night. I mean, it's only a week or two since we were wondering, you know, given, yeah. given what he has gone through and given all, all the absolutely correct things that Ian has said there. You know, come and on the back of what Callum Davison had said, remember, yeah, you know, that's right. basically you know, I mean, you had, he didn't yet have the trust in him. Yeah, that, that's right. And it's up to players, um, uh, Eric. I mean, like, like at a lump at the end of the day, you know, um, and this is man's football we're talking about here, so they're all big boys, you know, and, and they've got to step up. I mean, they, they, it's 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 a, an uncompromising position. And there's always somebody that's prepared to take your jersey in football unless you're performing. And and last night was undoubted uh, uh, indication. I thought generally there wasn't a weakness in his game, never mind the goal. I mean, I thought link-up play, uh, held the ball, you know, um, a, a, a very tidy. Looked, Which is probably the area that, that when Callum Davison was speaking about not quite having built up yeah. the trust him yet. I think it would have been, you know, the the yeah, the dirty work if mm-hmm. you want to call it of a striker, you know, like you say, linking up, mm-hmm. you know, occupying defenders, winning fouls, that getting the, the team up the pitch. You said he he looked more than just a penalty box striker to you then. Yes, and, and I think the rest of the play, you, you kind of sense that the rest of the players knew that. I mean, they, obviously, they're, yeah. they're seeing him on the training them. ground. Yeah. You know, they, they, they know what you can do on the on the training ground, you know, and he got plenty kind of of the ball, went looking for the ball and all the rest of it. So, undoubtedly, there's a player there. And, um, but you know we've seen this we've seen this so many times in the course of football that there are people who of of obvious talent and very decent talent who lack consistency or can't find consistency or you know kind of um, tend to have a roller coaster sort of time of things uh, at, at clubs. So the thing is, last night in a big game against uh, local rivals. Um, and a tough game, a really competitive game. I think he's laid down a marker and he's given Callum Davidson um, really strong uh, f- food for thought. I mean, he's proven, you know, what he can do in, in a very competitive game, a hard-fought game. Um, and therefore, I think he looks to me, and he looked to me on the basis of what I saw at this last night, as though there's undoubtedly a player in there. If they can bring that out in consistency, uh, consistently, then I think Saints may well have won a watch um, for the rest of the season because they need to start winning games. I mean, that was a game last night. We know about the chance missed late on and all the rest of it. Uh, and But for a wonder goal, Albeit it was, you know, it was quite quickly into restart, so there was plenty of time. Um, you kind of thought Saints might well hang on to this one because United didn't look particularly um, dangerous, you know, until that goal. Uh, so Melamed, I think, can be very pleased with his performance last night, um, and, and Callum Davidson certainly now has knows he has got a, uh, an option there, which you know, which bluntly on that performance he'd find hard to drop in the next game. Yeah, I don't think there's any possibility that he's going to drop. In fact, I think he'll probably. You know, he he'll probably be thinking getting getting the two player. Chris, mm-hmm. I mean Chris Kane again. He's he's he get he does he gets St Johnson up the pitch and he gets a goal as well. They've got St St Martin on uh, on Saturday at McDermott Park, mm-hmm. and that's a huge huge game, isn't it? it is. Like Jim says, 
draw draws just you just tread water with draws don't you yeah i mean i i know it's not like me but i actually did some uh, homework uh, <laughs> and, uh, i mean are we going back to 28th of november motherwell away for the the last league win is that right no that was the that was the cup so you're going back mm-hmm. oh, you're so going back I. even yeah. further even further than that then yeah so i mean it's, it's just there's been so many they're overdue they're overdue a result but i thought it was a decent point for for both teams last um i i thought the two of them it was probably right right outcome for the game and it wasn't a bad point for st johnson but they do yeah i mean they need to they need to win games like like st martin they do and uh, I, th- I think having haven't seen them uh, and hadn't not seen them for a, a wee while I thought that was. Uh, I, th- I, th- I would back them to to go on and do it. Talking about backing them, there was this strange thing going into the game about the the betting market, which mm. uh, S- oh, St. Johnson right. were, were were put down as strong favourites. I think. I think murky waters, Ian. I think murky waters. I mean, <laughs> so I was sitting there, uh, like everybody else. You're sitting there at kickoff, going, "Is United's team?" You know, they've lost half their players or something, but no. And then the game starts and the teams are just as they have been all, all season, pretty much, you know, you, you can't separate them. Um, so it was, it was very odd, but there you go. I digress. You, you do digress. Well, it would have been a it would have been a very <laughs> different podcast, Jim, had, uh, had Dundee not come up with that injury time equalise against Bonnie Rig. I mean, you know you know your Dundee history better than me. Where would where would that one have had Dundee lost, which of course is all ifs and buts, it didn't happen. Where would it have been in the uh, the hall of shame of, of Dundee results? Is that for me? It is for you, Jim. You're the you're the oldest. Uh, I'll you, give you a clue, you it's a fishing port the rest of us. It's a fishing port up north. <laughs> I thought you were giving the old one there. No, I think, yeah, the free, I mean, the Fraser result ranks as, um, uh, well, ranked as their, their worst ever. And I think 60 years ago, in fact, wasn't it? You know, when, uh, they, yeah. when they punted Dundee at the Scottish Cup. Um, I, I think that this... But Dundee would have been a top-flight team then. Yeah, but, the, 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 well, I mean, Dundee, Dundee were uh, one, of the, one of the great, were on the verge of greatness, weren't they? It was 59, so, the, you know, they had a, a terrific mm-hmm. side. Um, uh, the Brock... The Broch in those days, not unlike um, their opponents last week, you know, featured a plumber, a baker, and uh, uh, it was a candlestick maker. Don't think it was a candlestick. Nine fishermen. Nine fishermen. Well, we'd, we'd be up there, from, you know. <laughs> not from Bonnie Rigner, man. <laughs> but I mean, th- th- it would have been it would have been a, a hell of a result for Dundee to to have carried on. But you know, this this side will not bear um, scrutiny in terms of the great side that Dundee were on the verge. Of, you know, oh, it would have, like it would have undone shorter. all the good. Work and more, wouldn't yeah, it? I, th- I think so. But, but considering Eric, the team they put, they weren't listening to us, were they? He put no, out his first choice but, team as well. But I think there's a, there's a wider aspect here. I'm going I'm going to address this in a column in the next few weeks. I think you know we should probably do a podcast on it. You know why now? But I mean, I think Scottish football, not at top level. I know Celtic and Rangers. Are, you know this this year the league will be won again by Rangers, thirty fifth year in a row. Top at top flight, Scottish football is just not competitive anymore in terms of winning the league. They'll get the occasional, but you know, upset against Celtic or Rangers in the cup or whatever or the league. But I mean. We know who's going to win the league at the start of the season. It's one of those two. However, as we're starting to go down the leagues, particularly to the lower leagues, what used to be called the junior clubs who have all now decamped en masse to, to the new seniors and going through the Lowland League and the Highland League was always strong. We're now starting to see some terrific stuff emerging. I mean, you know, I, I thought there was... It's a good advert for it, isn't it? It was a great really advert. Is. And, and the Dundee players knew they'd been... I mean, I know that, you know, Charlie Adam was pretty scathing, uh, saying they weren't at it, and James McPate was as well. But you you've, you can, you know, you can only beat what you're up against. And, and Bonnie Rigro is one of, the, one, of the, one of the great old junior clubs of 
Scottish football, of course. I mean, give, give them a really, really tough time on the right. And there'll always be two or three players in a side like that that, you know, have been senior or had a chance of being senior, but various things got in the way. And then, you know, evens out with two or three others being absolutely uh, off the pace in your opposition. And, you know, on a night like that, you're always liable to a shock. But I have to say, I didn't think it would come as close to a major shock as that one did. But Dundee are through and, and uh, you know, um, their pride might be hurt, but effectively they're unscathed. That's the key thing. I mean, Ian, it's, listen, there's a few Dundee teams over the last few seasons you could have seen wilting under that because let's face it, there's no fans in the ground, but they know, they know that what's coming their way if they don't get, if they don't get through and they don't get that late goal. So that that is serious pressure they were under in those last 15 minutes, you know, when the reality of all this is, is dawning on them. But, they kept going, and you have to, you have to. Get, it feels feels strange giving credit when you <laughs> they scrape through in such manner. But you do have to give credit to Dundee that they that they showed the strength of character to just keep going, basically perseverance. Yeah, like you, I'm 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 reluctant to give any pats on the back for a, you know a near thing like that. But <laughs> you're right. You're absolutely right because. Could you imagine? Could you have imagined that? I mean, it was—it really was. What was that? One minute away. Um, it would have been terrible. And as 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 you said, uh, would have undone a lot of good work. Our, our colleagues, our colleagues wouldn't have been doing their duty if they hadn't asked for Paul McGowan post match, wouldn't they? No, well, that, that's <laughs> right. That's right. But hey, um, the the dug in and and they're into the next round. There, there's been many a side has has uh, escaped. But what you what you you know escaped a shock like that, but that that would have been a real big one. But what you have to think is in the in the dressing room they'll be saying right, you know that was a wake up call. Um, we, we maybe fancied ourselves a bit after beating Hearts, but that's a wake up call. So we need to earn every point now uh, in the league and and uh, no messing around now, going going forward. And and that's that's what I hope. I hope it's the case. Eric, Ian, one, one of the things that you cannot, of course, you know, forgetting all of this, was the stunning goalkeeping performance of Mark Weir and the Bonnie Rick goal. I mean, he, he gave a performance yeah. which, you know, which um, mm-hmm. everyone who watched that game will, will, will remember for a, for a long, long time. I mean, he made some incredible saves. He really did. In fact, the winning yeah. goal, I mean, he, he was clawing, it, clawing away a magnificent save before mm-hmm. it was, it was um, you know, knocked over the line. Um, I, I thought he gave a great performance. So, I mean, Dundee certainly had the vast bulk of the pressure and all the rest of it. But um, it was, had they, you know, to, to answer the original question, had they gone out, I think uh, living that one down would have been very, very tough indeed. Yeah. It would have taken a long, long time. Particularly so, uh, particularly as, as Bonnie Rick had Lewis Capaldi, the singer, playing, uh, playing <laughs> for them as well. I mean, did you see him? It was unbelievable. <laughs> uh, absolute doppelganger. So unless it was, it was actually him, because it does actually look like him. <laughs> Well, so somebody did bring on the guy from Towie the other night, didn't they? Was it Crawley Town? Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's yeah. right, yeah. <clears throat> oh. Remember when uh, remember when Saints had the, uh, the, the who was it, Lee Croft's Lee Croft's oh, Lee partner came up yeah. uh, to watch that his debut at Easter Road, I think it was, the, the woman from Towie. Oh. I, uh, I think they've parted the party company since, but anyway, we... We digress. <laughs> uh, Jim, we, we, we try not to... <laughs> yeah, we try, yeah, again... We we try to keep this as local as possible, but I mean it's been such a it's been such a tumultuous week again. I think, in in terms of decision making, I mean I, I think we've had a, I think we've had a shameful few days for Scottish football and, and certainly for Celtic. It's I've, I, so many people are starting to 
are really, really being badly shown up just mm-hmm. now. And I think the people at the top of Celtic, we're not going to go into all, all, all Dubai and all the rest of it. That's for, that's for other people and other podcasts. I think we'll probably all be unanimous in what we, we think about the way they've handled things recently. But I think, I mean, I don't know about you guys. I thought Ian Maxwell came across really, really badly with a popping up on a, a YouTube channel, seemed to basically try to just excuse away Celtic, give him, give him a free pass, explaining his decision to, to, to pause the season for all but two divisions. I think Neil Doncaster has come out of it appallingly as well. When, when you, and I say there's no local angle. There is a bit of a local angle to this because I, feel, I, felt, I really felt for Hibs in all of this. And, but then when you saw the Hibs statement yeah. that said that they've basically been as good as guaranteed, that, uh, that if, they, if any of their players got COVID off on the back of the Celtic game, they would get their Betfred Cup semi-final against St. Johnston postponed. Whereas St. Johnston, I've got no such guarantee if they get COVID in the next week, who cares about who cares about a little St. Johnson? So so a back of a fag packet deal with Jack Ross on the hoof with SBFL or whoever it is has basically unbalanced the potential for uh, for that semi final. I mean, where where do you start, Jim? It's been an absolute absolute embarrassment again, hasn't well, it? Well, I mean, from from start to finish. I mean, I, I can if you take Celtic first, uh, their the trip to Dubai, and I mean, all the stuff about the. I mean, they're, they're woven the through of all of this, aren't they? Let's yeah, face I, it, so you can't you can't just take them out of it because no, absolutely. Gonna... I, I, and I have to say, uh, in the defence of Celtic supporters, certainly, you know, if my social media is going to go by, I cannot recall a time. Well, you know, it was pre-social media, but you would have to go back to the days of the the Kelly and the White Board when Fergus yeah, McCann yeah, yeah, yeah. eventually won. Since I can. Recall Call such anger at the Celtic board and fair, oh. fair play. I mean, you know, Andy, Andy Walker fans. summed it up beautifully, didn't he? He was magnificent. Yes. You could you could almost see him shaking with anger mm-hmm. and emotion. At basically, when he when he turned around and said to Alan Stubbs on Sky, you know, you know, this is the club we play for. You know, this and speaking about the so- social conscience of the club and well, all the rest Eric, of it. That, that's the problem and, and, and well said because, you know, Celtic, uh, I mean, you know, my, my old, my, my, I was going to say my oldest brother, my older brother who's 13 years, uh, uh, my senior uh, was a Celtic man. He used to travel, uh, you know, on the buses from the Hilltown in Dundee. Quite often as a, as a young kid, I went with him um, to see him. And I've got a soft spot for the Celtic, but their behaviour and all this has been appalling. And the vast bulk of the support uh, agree with this. Good luck to them in selling season books. I think there's going to be a, 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 a you know, a, a club back on on some of that because it's been utterly misguided the statement of the statement it makes it even worse they've been misguided they've been totally out of touch i think um with their fans but you know you think of a club that was said like you know like to talk a, a, a glib game about more than a club and brother Walford set them up and there'll be dinners provided for the poor in the east end of glasgow that's great you know that's over a century ago now celtic are now a big corporate giant um and i think they they, they were just you know were so far out of touch with all of this that um, it's almost you know it's almost indescribable it's, almost, it's the Marie Antoinette let them eat cake of football yeah. you know just so far adrift from how normal people are feeling and then to compound it you've got the you know, the, the, the SFA's head honcho, Ian Maxwell, who I have to say looks like a man just at his depth. You know, It was cringeworthy, um, wasn't it, Jim? It was absolutely uh, yeah, cringeworthy. cringeworthy. And the two lower leagues in, in Scottish football are singled out for, for, for specialist treatment and can't play football. I mean, it just, it, it, not only does it not make any sense, um, it, it seems to absolve those at the top uh, while punishing those at the bottom for not actually committing any crimes. So it's just been a really, really dire, dire 
um, performance. You know, both from those who run Celtic, and and and, and you know, in, in this case, I have, I have to say the powers that be, uh, Ian Maxwell as well with the SFA, and you can understand why people feel that, that Scottish football isn't a, a level playing field when you get this sort of stuff. I mean, Ian, Ian, it basically feels as if they'll make any decision and justify any decision to for not for Celtic's benefit because they're not going to give him... Well, yes, I mean, almost for Celtic. You know, just to, to, get, to get Celtic off the hook, didn't it? It just felt like everything started from that. They started from that conclusion and worked their way back and have been, and have been trying to firefight, put their finger in, in the hole and whatever metaphor you want to use ever since. Yeah, I think, I think the firefighting uh, one is, is correct. It's, it's a trail of, of decisions fr- through not wanting to say no to, to Celtic, who should have been told that, that, that there wasn't any uh, foreign trip this time. They just had to, like everybody else, including the team that's miles ahead of them at the, the top of the league, they're, they're, staying, in, they're staying in Scotland and uh, that's it. Tough, you know, because... This this is a trail, and, and I was at the uh, I was at the the Saints United game. I was speaking to an official from St Johnson. I, I, I won't say who it was, but the topic of conversation was how the hell are Saints meant to deal with this um, approach this game, which they will do professionally. Mm. This cup game against Hibs, knowing that there could be this this thing comes in from left field that that puts the game off. And, and you, you, you correctly made the point. Saints haven't been given a, a guarantee. It's an absolute mess. And now we all know, we all know, um, great people, great people at Forfar, at Arbroath, and all, all these clubs, Brecon and East Fife, etc. Right? They, they, officials at these clubs put their heart and soul into it. They don't get any money back. It's all voluntary. And now look at it. The season's absolutely cancelled. Now that maybe isn't directly actually, actually cost them money. Yeah, that maybe isn't. That's I'm not saying that's directly Celtic's fault. You can't like you know the Dubai trip links directly to this, but overall we have we have a club doing what they've done, okay. And you have as like you say with, with, with Mr. Maxwell um, and, and and Andy Walker was spot on as you say. Who's really really suffering? Who's really really suffering? It's the people that run the clubs in the bottom two divisions and and the women's game and all the other leagues, the Highland Leagues, all these brilliantly, properly run organisations are now suspended for the whole month. Uh, and then, as we know with uh, with coronavirus regulations, these updates they'll they'll then assess them in a few weeks. Who's to say? Oh no, we can't lift it. It, it has to go to the end of February. And then where are we? Um, everybody had to do everything possible, and there's been other clubs who who have done daft things, but everybody had to do everything possible to stay on on side with us. Unfortunately, there we are. We are where we are, and it's an absolute mess. We are well, where we are, as Jim. I mean, I don't know about you, but I just think, I think, I don't, I don't see how this. I think there's a worse turn, a worse COVID turn coming around the corner. Put it this way: when they start, the the peak hasn't yet been reached mm. with this this wave. If it's a second wave, third wave, I can't keep up. But I mean, 
Do you realistically think this this season's going to get finished? As, well, as it's it's very hard to say, Eric. I mean, the first minister I was watching a wee bit of, of her earlier on, you know, outlining the latest kind of <clears throat> um, situation and 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 uh, well, not proposal, what what they're now about to, you know, enforce. So, I mean, you know, we're in the middle of, of of a very serious situation. It's even more serious than it was, and we've been talking for months and months about this with the new strain and all the rest. Of it. You know, to counterpose that, we have a vaccine. It's taking longer. To roll out both here and south of the border than than we would like, or longer to longer to give to people, um, and and you do have to worry that that we might end up having to call um, call the leagues, you know, at, at some stage, and that that would be be desperate for football, but you know, sadly, like it a lump it in the in, in the greater scheme of things, football is only a game. I know that some people treat it as a business, and, and they can understand why, but you know, ultimately, the health of the health and safety of everyone, those involved in football as well. Um, comes first. Yeah, and some people, let's face it, some people in football really haven't helped haven't helped the the general football cause. So yeah, well, well, listen, we'll see how the next week pans out. We do have a hopefully we've still got a weekend of football to look forward to, and you, to winnable winnable games for for the top the, the Premiership teams. And Dundee, you've got a good Dundee. Have, well, let's Dundee. Will they get back? Will they get back on track, Ian? Do you, I mean, how, how do you even call Dundee at the moment? You know, we didn't talk about them getting back in, in action. I mean, you, you just can't predict them at the minute, can you? Uh, no, but um, but I suppose we'll have to count our blessings. We've still got the the Premiership and we've got the Championship, so fingers crossed for that. But I'm really I'm really frustrated. I'm actually more than frustrated. I'm actually quite angry about it because you know, doing this job, how much. Uh, these clubs mean to yeah. their communities, and uh, it's they've just had it's just it's just the been wrecked from under them. Yeah. That's a good point, Ian. I mean, you know, the truth of the matter. I mean, I know that th- th- there will be many people, uh, you know, within you know M- MPs, MSPs, and all the rest of it, who I think don't necessarily understand. Um, not just the impact, but the, the the importance of of football in this case, but sport generally. You know, it, it, and at a time like this, when you know many folk will be suffering with mental health issues and all the rest of it, it's a binder. It binds communities. It gives a sense of community. It gives a sense of purpose, and and it takes your mind off you know a very very worrying situation, albeit maybe just for ninety odd minutes or the rest of the week when you can chew the fat with your pals on social media or on the phone or whatever. And and I think that you know it's been one of the bright spots that we've managed to um, get the game going again uh, with, with with all the important things that details. It's kind of always it's the equivalent, I think, of going into you know some of the big supermarkets and thinking you know does a book uh, count as as required uh, shopping? Well, yes, it does because it's good for your mental health and it, it gets you away from kind of the worries of the day. And football has done that as well. Sport has done that, even with no crowds here. We've all been watching it on telly. We've been fortunate enough in the respect because of our jobs as journalists, we are uh, you know we can go to. To the games, except of course Celtic, who knocked me back for a press pass the other week. Oh, <laughs> but you're, um, you're, you're not alone part. there, Jim. <laughs> not alone in that one, you know. They like uh, no, I mean, it's, I, I think like. it, it, you know, I think it, 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 it's it's important that we remember. Yes, it is only a sport, but it's very important to, in terms of the the, the mental well being. I think that it gives to a great many people to see their football team, and and for many foot people who are just football fans who love the game for the, for the game's sake you know to see it continuing and going on and anything that puts that at risk I think is to be condemned uh, well said lads okay well thanks again gentlemen and thank you very much for listening we'll be back next week bye bye
If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it, or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people to find Talking Football, and that means a lot to us. Don't forget too to pick up your copy of The Courier Monday to Saturday, or go to thecourier.co.uk slash subscribe to find out how to get our award-winning sport, business and local journalism across Tayside and Fife in the way that's right for you. The Courier. Local matters.